0: Ben, what are the odds that we could put Maxwell's Silver Hammer as the cold open here? Do you think it would pass copyright strike?
1: I don't think I know what you're talking about. The Beatles song.
0: I get to sing it for you?
1: Yeah, I guess, yeah. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> There's about.
0: There's a Beatles song. and will the, the cold says, open. Is you singing Maxwell's Silver Hammer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the chorus goes, bang, bang, Maxwell's Silver Hammer came down. Upon his head,
2: bang bang! Maxwell Silver Hammer made sure that she was dead. Boom
3: boom boom! Yeah, you never heard that. I want to, I want to see the cut where that song plays every time he does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bang! That would have been a great trailer song. Bang bang! Is like oh, James Gunn would have done it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny when you said Maxwell Silver Hammer, I was thinking like the R and B singer Maxwell. It's like. I guess I've never heard that song before. So when you're both like the Beatles, like, Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a totally different genre than I was. It was just one of, of the first uh,
0: Beatles songs that I like. I'd heard other ones, but that was the first one I sort of like discovered
1: on my own. You know what I mean? Oh, nice. Um,
0: but yeah, I was thinking that the whole time. It was just like, his name should have been Maxwell.
1: Um, Only the hits for me. I don't want the underground deep cut. Get that, shit. Get that crap out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Give me the number one album. That's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just give me the greatest hits, baby.
1: Welcome to Three Films in a Podcast, the show where Destiny brought together three friends to enhance each other's cinematic journey by watching three new movies in a series of themed rounds. There is no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode, as all film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy. All right. Hello,
0: everyone. And welcome to Three Films in a Podcast. My name is Tyler Beck, and I'm coming to you from Salt Lake City, Utah. I am joined, as always, by Matt Weiler in the City of Trees, Pleasant Grove, Utah.
3: Thank you, everyone. I'm Matt.
0: Yes. Yes, you are Matt. And up in Salt Lake City, we have my dear friend, Benjamin Lawhorn. Present. Present and accounted for. Uh, Unfortunately, who isn't present is our scheduled guest. For the first time in podcast history, we got. We got Hollywood, we got a, what's the word? When you get kicked off a show, you get bumped. We got bumped.
2: We got bumped.
0: Our, our very first Hollywood bump. Unfortunately, our guy Patrick, um, had, he's working on a production somewhere in Los Angeles, and he got called back on Super set last minute. It. And, uh, Can't tell you the details.
1: Yeah. It feels... It, we're, we're really hoping it's Paddington 3. We're well, we're it's really got to really be Paddington is, 3. Is
0: <laughs> but I kind of, you know, in a weird way, I feel like... You know we're just getting closer to Hollywood. You know what I mean. We got bumped by someone in Hollywood, so we're on it's our way there. We're on our way yeah. there. Well, we're happy that we're we're not happy that he's not here, but we are happy that our listeners and our viewers are here. We love the movie club. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, you know if you're uh, if it's your first time here, we're happy to have you here. Uh, and if you're returning, welcome back. Uh, make sure you tell all your friends and family to follow us everywhere on all the socials at Three Films Pod and uh, check us out. Uh, at our website, threefilmspod.com for merch and Patreon support options. A lot of good stuff on there. Matt's cranking out the goods. Um, yes, he is. This week's episode finds us at the end of our female gaze round, which is that the official name or was that just like our placeholder name?
1: Um, be, yeah, completely transparent. I stole that from the Criterion Collection because. Oh, rad. About a month ago, they did a whole thing on their uh, streaming channel of female directors, and they called it the female gaze. I was like, that's a great idea. We should do that, too. Thank you, Criterion. <laughs> so
0: We're going to steal yeah. from anyone It's the Criterion Collection. Please, our friends at Criterion, like and subscribe. Um, Please, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, anyways, we are exploring films directed by women. And so far, we've watched uh, The Lost Daughter by our girl Maggie G, The Good Gyllenhaal, The Best mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal, Uh, We also watched uh, Honey Boy by Alma Harrell, and we are capping off the round with a 2017 film directed by Lynn Ramsey. Um, This movie was actually suggested to us by longtime friend of the podcast and one of our bigger supporters, a good friend of mine, Mercedes Alvarez. And uh, we just loved the interactive element of that. You know, like we put out on Instagram and Twitter asking for some recommendations and uh, Mercedes sent this in to us, and I, it jumped out not only because I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to further her connection to the podcast, I guess, and sort of reward mm. her for her her uh, support, uh, but also just uh, it's it's a film I'd heard a lot about and was interested in, so here we are. You may be from. Uh, what was that word I was about to say?
1: You may be for You knows? may be for
0: mech. Uh, you, you also may be familiar with the director of this film. Uh, this week's film, Lynn Ramsey from her work on an apparently horrifying film called. We need to talk about Kevin. Have you guys seen that?
1: Mm. I have not. I have not.
0: Yeah, Same. We're a bunch of wimps here. And, and I think movie club is well aware of that at this point, but um, <laughs> from everything I've heard, it's supposed to be pretty intense, uh, but enough about Kevin, what we really need to talk about <laughs> is this <laughs> Sorry, week's <Kevin>. film, <laughs> You Were Never Really Here, uh, which is described as Fallways. As what is wrong with me tonight?
2: I
1: don't know. I like
3: it. Though. Fallways making us guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, here's your synopsis for You Were Never Here. A traumatized veteran, unafraid of violence, tracks down missing girls for a living. When a job spins out of control, Joe's nightmares overtake him as a conspiracy is uncovered, leading leading to what could be his death trip or his awakening. And uh, I think that's about as accurate of a synopsis as you can give for a movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's, you know, a lot of times a synopsis is just kind of like a taste. But this is like that's the essentially the plot (laughs) Of this
1: movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of um, we had she will rock you on Leah and Beth ann and uh, had Leah read the synopsis, and it was like, like this lady moves into town and befriends a group of friends. Like, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. But that's like that's like the first ten minutes. There's like so much more that's going on here, but this this synopsis is very accurate and detailed.
0: I mean, there's a ton happening in this movie, which we'll discuss, but. I don't know. I just I just when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's literally everything that happens here. Now, obviously,
2: <laughs> it has a yeah. spoiler alert.
0: <laughs> that's a 90 minute. Yeah. there's a 90 minute runtime here. Um, and I'm actually wondering, I wonder if, well, I don't know. I, I guess I, I liked the movie. I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I really liked the movie and going into it. I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into. For some reason, I didn't know anything about the director who directed it. I just for some reason assumed it was going to be like like a sad love story. You know what I mean? Or like Mm. or like one of those tragic, you know, love stories or something. Um, And I couldn't have been more wrong. And I'm wondering if part of the reason I liked it so much or that it was like so it stuck out to me so much is because of the unexpected aspect of it. And I'm wondering if Mm. the synopsis gave away even less if it just says he tracks down young girls for a li- or missing girls for a living without knowing there's a conspiracy and all that. I wonder if that would have heightened my experience of it at all. I don't know. That's just a thought I had yeah. as I was going through here. Um, But what, like, so what was your guys' experience with this? Like, is I assume it's both your first time seeing it, Ben, I'll start with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do just want to say, you know, you thought this was like a sad rom-com or something like, this could also be a good title you would never really hear for like eternal sunshine and spotless mind, yeah. just like wiping away the memories. Like, man, you were never really hear it's like, yeah, that's another good title for a sad rom com. Uh, but yeah, this was my first experience. Um, I've been trying to be better about like not reading into stuff too much, you yeah. know, movies and stuff before seeing them. I was like familiar with the trailer from before just because I like Joaquin, so I want to see what he's doing, but I went in just like, okay, this guy. Rescues underage girls that are missing. That was it. Which it was, but that's the that's the Steel Magnolia synopsis. It's like, yeah, that's that it. But yeah. there's also so much more going on. So I'm glad that that was all kind of new to me. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. His performance. I don't know. It's these kind of movies where that he has to carry it. You know, I feel like the movie kind of lives and dies with him and his like his performance and I thought he did a, a really good job, like just insanely stoic, uh, so reserved seeing all the flashbacks and stuff, kind of let us know a little bit about him and what he's going through and what's setting him off. It still left me with some questions, but not in a frustrating way. Just like, it's cool. You don't have to like explain everything to me. Yeah, like I can get the, the gist of why he's doing this without you saying like this exact thing happened to him. And so now he does that. Like I, I didn't get that, but I I didn't need it. You know, I think it worked really well. I feel Um, like we
0: got the answers we needed.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so super strong performance. um, Love the music, love the cinematography. And yeah, I'm just here for everything, Joaquin.
2: You and me
3: both. Yeah, I, I, uh, trying to think what I was going to say. Moving on so <laughs> <laughs> Any, look anytime you can give me close-up shots of walking phoenix's bloody beard i'm gonna yeah. be on board that's a movie yeah. i want to see i'll watch 90 minutes of that probably not 100 probably not more than 90 minutes but give me 90 minutes of bloody beard and i'm a happy guy
0: i just mm-hmm. want no now i want that shot from animal kingdom where the camera's panning around mendelssohn but I just want that for ninety <laughs> minutes around Joaquin his <laughs> bloody <beard>. that, Yeah,
1: <laughs> same song and every. <laughs> uh, oh, that'd be perfect. Have we got Mendelssohn and Joaquin in a movie together? Ooh. That's a duo I would like to see. Yeah. Sorry, Matt.
3: Please. Gladiator, maybe. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I, look, I'm not a film critic. I'm not going to pretend to be a film critic. I'm not going to use jargon or any. You know, I'm not going to analyze this. Actually, you know what? I am. Do it. A- <laughs> it's in your blood. Yeah, no, yeah. No, I mean, it, it, this took me a bit to buy into. Like, I, I was watching this and I was enjoying it. Like Ben said, like it's Walking Phoenix. You, you're you getting your money's worth just from him alone. Right. Like make the crappiest movie possible and you're, you've got your money's worth. But mm-hmm. this is not crappy by any means. I don't want to throw any shade on this, but it took me. It took me a lot longer than I thought I was. thought I was going to, to buy me in around the 50 minute mark. I was all in. I liked a lot of the stuff that she did with this movie. I, I'm not a super big fan of violence and she was able to take, you know, super violent scenes and subject matter and make them not nearly as violent or graphic as you'd expect a picture like this to have, Mm -hmm. which was refreshing to me. There's also some hypersexual subject matter that she also Mm -hmm. handled very in a very non-sexual, not hypersexual way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which I thought was also interesting, which uh, we we often talk about with this round specifically, the the female gaze. I feel like that uh, played into that a little bit. Um, I feel like men are a lot more gratuitous and maybe not necessarily intentionally so, but they tend to be more gratuitous with that type of subject matter. So Mm -hmm. that was an interesting thing to note. Um, But yeah, Joaquin's performance was great. I liked some of the there's some really creative shots in this. And I always look for that because. Uh, This day and age, this is part of movie club. And I I feel like I might be a broken record on this, but this is your first episode. You'll just hear me say it again. The the shaky cam and the pacing and the cutting that were the quick cuts that we are so familiar with in Hollywood these days, blockbusters and popular movies, not to say that there's anything wrong with those, uh, but they don't lend to a lot of creativity and deliberate composition. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's noteworthy when you see it in a movie and the way that they handle something for the sake of storytelling and moving the storyline or, or communicating to the audience, something, um, in a certain particular way. And, and one thing that stands in, actually, I'll save that for later in the, in the episode, but I just wanted to say that, that I really appreciated some of the shots that she brought to this.
0: Yeah. Agreed a hundred percent. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the, the, uh, the gentle way in which she tackled some of the subject ma- subject matter and and themes and whatnot, because you know I know that's something that we've been trying to talk about for these movies, but I couldn't think of anything So I'm glad you pointed that mm-hmm. out to me because I was like, there was nothing until I until I think about it when you when you make that point. I was like, to me, this movie just seemed like, uh, I don't know, I couldn't I just couldn't picture anything just because it was so intense and visceral and i just was like you could have told me anyone made this and i'd have to believe it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) but but i do think you're right there was there was a lot of stuff that could have been uh much worse (laughs) and and
1: much harder to watch and deal with for sure yeah there were some scenes where you know he's come into a place and a lot of the times we've seen like the after effects of what he's done like the guys are on the ground with a hole in their head, you know, like that's mm-hmm. gruesome, but we don't like we're not seeing all of the violence that he's committing. It's just very implied, like this guy doesn't fuck around, you mm-hmm. know, Like yeah. he can he can walk into a place with a hammer and he'll be fine. And I like that they kind of set that tone. Uh One thing I like that I thought was interesting is I feel like so often in movies, especially with killers or whatever, they're so concerned about, like leaving behind DNA and their traces and stuff. And like, he's just this fucking hairy dude. who's just like not really taking any precautions, to like make sure there's nothing left over. He's like, no, I'm just, I'm wearing the same sweater and pants from yesterday. I'm just, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. walk in here with the hammer and kill these dudes and get the girls and I'll be back. You no know, mask, it's just like no he's gloves. Just like, yeah. Like no nonsense, just kind of get in there and take care of business. So I did like that. And yeah, Matt, your, your point is really good. That's the subject matter could lend itself to some unnecessary scenes and tone or whatever. But this one, I feel stayed away from that really well.
0: Totally. Um, I also wanted to echo your y'all's sentiments of Joaquin and, and his performance. Um, we're going to talk more about him later. I do think he played this character very well. I think he always does a good job, but it was interesting to me that despite a movie that had such like this visceral and striking imagery and like heavy subject matter and, and plenty of things to feast your eyes on. Right. I found myself more taken by the score of the movie. That was like, Mm. I think my favorite part of the movie because despite like how good of a job, I think Joaquin did playing this role. And in this movie, I found myself one, like thinking the whole time, like not really that much is happening in this movie. You know what I mean? Like as far as like, what like what you're actually seeing if if you think of it in like the, the like a true third person sense like obviously we see what's going on in his head but if you think about not being able to see inside someone's head we're really just watching a guy sit in a car walk around he hits a few people and he goes to a few meetings and eats some jelly beans and has a fun duet, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with a dying man, you know what I mean? It's like, there's obviously things happening, but it's very slow. And there's just, there's actually really not a whole lot going on. And the way that, uh, Lynn Ramsey, like, like Matt was talking about some of the way she used the camera and some of the shots she composed and, and some of the way she cut back and forth between like the real and the imagined, and then mix that in with a compelling score. I don't know. I just, I just realized I'm like, if if we didn't have this score, like this movie, like I don't know if this movie is anywhere near as good as it is. Yeah. Um, I think that was obviously intentional. She brought in, um, she brought in, uh, I forget the dude's name, the guitar player for Radio, Greenwood. yeah, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, um, who has scored some really good stuff. And so, I wanted to talk a little bit about score. Basically, I feel like it oftentimes mm-hmm. gets overlooked, despite the fact that it's. I think we've talked about this, Ben. It's literally half your experience watching anything oh, yeah. is the audio and the score yeah. and the music. So I just wanted to talk about it, shout it out a little bit, see what you guys thought of the score in this movie. If there was any, uh, uh, moments with regards to the score that stood out to you in this movie and maybe like your guys's favorite scores overall. Um, Matthew, I think I know where you'll go with this, but I still want to hear it.
3: I don't even know where I'm going to go with this, but, uh... <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I want to know where you thought I was going to go with it after I tell (laughs) you one thing that I love, and I usually save this for the elevator pitch. This isn't going to make my elevator pitch. Actually. Yes, it is. I'm going to save what I was about to say for the elevator pitch. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'll, I'll I'll repeat it for the elevator pitch and I'll explain why a different. Yeah. Anyway, then we'll cut all this out. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) um, I, it, for me, the scene where he's, uh, where he's uh burying his mom in the water, mm-hmm. I thought it was a very interesting sequence from the time that he like finds her, mm-hmm. you know drives her to where it is the the preparation of it there's something like very spiritual about it mm-hmm. and uh with with how morbid the subjects in this movie how morbid everything in this movie is, and yeah. that scene like they made it very ceremonial and spiritual. with the score totally so to, to to your point like that that scene is completely different with different music yeah. Like it it set such a tone that like it could almost feel beautiful and like you're watching you're watching this body bag float down It's like like what what, what is this um, <laughs> yeah but given the music like there's a there's added importance mm-hmm. there's a sadness there's like also a calm and a peace and so i just want to say that for me like that's where the, the score shined the most. Right. Uh, the the rest of the score reminded me a lot of good time and sort of the vibes mm. with that, uh, going around. I, I don't know who scored good time, but, um, th- there's a, a, there's a sense of like tension and urgency. Um, in right. good time that I felt like was sort of emulated in the music in this as well.
0: For sure. Yeah. I think, um, the, the body bag scene and everything, I think like, obviously, I guess I'm just echoing exactly what you were saying because we're, we're keyed in to know like when that type of music is playing, when music that sounds like that is playing, like this is a spiritual experience. This is like a mm-hmm. holy experience. This is this, this has meaning or whatever. And obviously that's why they do it. That's why you score a movie and you put in this audio, but you're a hundred percent right. Like it, there's so many moments in this movie that could have been so different and mm-hmm. arguably much worse if the score was any different than it was. Um, Ben, what were you going to say? I think I cut you off.
1: Oh, n- no. I mean, you're totally fine. I am I still want to hear Matt's favorite scores. But oh, yeah. First, I, I want to say, like, I, I made a no because there are the spiritual scenes where, you know, the, the music is beautiful and, like, really lends the tone to what we're watching. But then, like, there are the, like, aggressive scenes when he's going to, like, attack people. And there's a couple times where the music, to me, I kept thinking we were getting... Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone. So it was like, dun, 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 dun. it was like this like <laughs> guitar riff thing. I was like, are they are we going to the fucking oh danger zone God. right now? Like, can you imagine? It sounded it sounded so weird. I was like, I mean, she'll make it work, and that's what we're doing. I'm I'm gonna play them back to back here so people don't think I'm completely crazy I hope they really match because that's all I kept thinking about I was like (laughs) watching it it's like man Johnny Greenwood he must just been jamming out to some logins he's like yeah I'm gonna do this But um yeah, I don't know. Like I, I enjoyed the score. Like I, I was gonna bring him up later on in my trivia. Mainly just like I, I I like the idea of musicians who we, you know, traditionally see in like rock bands and stuff like that mm-hmm. now kind of like, you know, becoming composers and stuff because they have a different outlook on it that we get like yeah. than we would normally get from like a composer. So many scores are done, just like with a track like a template score and it's like yeah just kind of make it match this but then i think one of the most notable ones is you know trent Reznor and atticus ross with social network yeah i think that was really one of the first times like oh the nine inch nails guys is gonna do a soundtrack like okay cool but then he also later on does soul and it's like oh that, that it worked there too like they were great i think one of my favorite scores the one i probably listened to the most uh, is uh, actually from Tron Legacy mm. because mm. the score is done by Daft Punk mm-hmm. and it is awesome. If you've ever wanted a great score to a horrible movie, I highly <laughs> recommend Tron Legacy. <laughs> like the score is so good, you, you get like twenty five Daft Punk songs. Like, yeah, I I love it. It's amazing. Hey, to the Tron Leg fans, we're not throwing shade on Tron Legacy. <laughs> no dude uh, like and subscribe please mr bridges we're big fans here come
3: talk tron legacy with us (laughs) yeah let
1: us know so yeah that one's there i really enjoy like the sicario soundtrack as well like that score is really good um i think that's something that definitely came to me later in my life where it's like oh like you can actually just enjoy a score like they're pretty cool to have so i own a handful you know inception stuff like that i think we're always here for Han Zimmer and stuff, but um, yeah, I just definitely wanted to shout out Tron Legacy there
0: for sure. I can use as much boom, <laughs> um, Matt. Since I so rudely cut you off from your favorite scores, oh, tell me no. if I tell me if I was right. Tell me what you got. Well, I mean, I'll...
3: I, I think, I mean, you, you, you put me in a corner. Yeah, I did, and <laughs> I did. you put me in a corner. I don't even know. I mean, the an- whatever answer I have right now is is most likely wrong
1: it reminds me shout, shout
3: out my dad steve it's funny he'll every once in a while like when the whole family's together he'll be like he doesn't say everybody but he'll be like hey matt what would be your number one you know blah 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 and i thought I'd, I'd give my answer he'd be like well what, what would be your number 2 I'm like uh this this and this he's like what about this they're like oh yeah sure yeah that's, yeah that's <laughs> kind right of what, answer anyway <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm pretty basic, uh, as the Twitterverse likes to say uh, when it comes to answers like these, like, give me a John Williams score every day. I, knew I knew it. mean, I told you I, I knew it. Harry, Harry Potter, <laughs> Jurassic Park, Star oh, yeah. Wars, um, Jaws, Indiana Jones, Jaws, Jaws. Not all of them, just one of them. <laughs> most of them. Most all of them.
0: But you, you said um, Star Wars. I just wanted to make sure. It's a Star Wars, Tyler. It's a Being Star very pedantic,
3: War. I'm sorry. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean those,
1: those, those have got to be it. Totally. What I'm really looking forward to, speaking of scores, is to get to the Man with No Name trilogy. Yeah. When we're talking about you know good, bad, and ugly, because that's all done by Ennio Morricone, who's mm-hmm. just like he's done like mm-hmm. over 400 soundtracks. I think uh, Tarantino basically brought him out of retirement to do the hateful eight, yeah. which is also super awesome. So that's definitely something that I've been looking forward to in the summertime or doing our trilogies. I just, I can't wait to, to hear some of the the early stuff, but yeah, I think he's another one of those. You can just put it on and, and enjoy it. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, so I have a score I've listened to. Maybe it's one of the, it's one of the albums I've missing. I've listened to most in my life. Um, And it's the Amelie soundtrack, the score by Jan Tiersen. If you've never seen Amelie, highly suggest, highly recommend. Uh, It's a very fun, whimsical French movie with um, Audrey Tattoo. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just that score. I must have listened to, I don't know, hundreds or hundreds of times. It's it's a really cool, like um, French cafe sounding like with some accordion. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have heard it um Ben you're nodding like you it looks like you have
1: uh it's like uh it's a really rough memory for me yeah. seeing Amelie because just a super quick story oh. but uh my my dad came out to visit uh he served his mission in France and like oh this French movie's coming out and then my aunt was like hey can I come with you like okay like, I gotta know anything about it yeah man I don't know have you seen the movie have you seen Amelie or uh not?
3: I feel like I feel like I I know what movie it is. I I don't think I have. I think I've seen
1: some scenes over time but so growing up very religious and stuff like that and then sitting next to my aunt during the scene or like and she was wondering then how yeah. many people were orgasming the right orgasm at that moment. Montage. It's like this like montage like oh my god I'm sitting next to my aunt right now watching like seven people have orgasms on this huge screen in front of me like I that will never like leave my brain that might be the last thing I think about just how awkward I felt wow. that was oh, that was insane but well, it is it is a really good score but that movie just yeah so yeah
0: your mo- your <laughs> moment that ties to the soundtrack is much worse than mine mine ends up being good so i went yeah. on um a trip to mexico and rented a car uh with my ex who i actually i think I, yeah i saw this movie with her um and we were on this trip and we ran out of gas in our rental car in mexico and we're in the middle of freaking nowhere and we pull over at this little you know roadside bar The sign just says art and beer, and it's this little wooden shack. Like, it looks like it was made out of driftwood from the beach. Um, And we park. There's no one else there besides the person working behind the counter. We go in and we explain what's going on. And they're like, I'm like, I spoke no Spanish. I'm like, gasolina, gas, fuel, whatever. And Mm -hmm. they were like, no, we got nothing. Like, I'm sorry. So I'm like, fuck. So I bought a beer. We went and sat down trying to figure out what we're going to do. And they brought over some um, clams. So, like, just some free clams for us to eat while we were sitting there, like, don't worry about it, don't charge. And right when he put that on, one of the songs from the Amelie soundtrack came on. So, as soon as he put that down, I noticed this song is playing. And I was just like, it's like, oh, okay. It was like, just a little bit of like comfort. You know what I mean? Just Mm -hmm. like, it's going to be all right. That's cool. And so, we're sitting there, we drank our beers. They had a little like garden walk we could take. And some tourists pull up in a bus, and I say, like, okay, guys, here's the deal. You guys speak English. You guys are going the same direction as us. I'm going to start driving, and hopefully, I can get to a gas station. And if you guys see us on the side of the road, please pull over and pick us up. But they're like, okay, sure. Yeah. And so we get in the car and we go and we go around a hillside, no more than like, 500 yards from where we were, we go around this little hillside and there's a gas station right there.
2: No, <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. It was the best, but yeah, it was just
0: like, <laughs> we, I was so stressed out. And then he brought us those clams and he had this look like it's going to be fine. And then, uh, you know, I, the song, one of the songs was playing. I can't remember which one I was like, Oh, okay. This is going to be that's great. Really so, cool. One of my favorite memories. Um, and, uh, so thank you movie scores.
3: I, I, I like the imagination. <laughs> I like, I like the member or, uh, I like the, what am I trying to say? I like the visual of like Ben being in that situation and that song coming on, and him thinking about his experience, and <laughs> stressing <laughs> so, him
1: way out more. Yeah, I just lose my appetite. Like, yeah. no, no clams, please. Like, no you know. clams. <laughs>
0: um. So we have, we have. I just got the no clams joke. <laughs> yeah. um so we have a segment uh we're renaming a segment that uh, you know we've heard we've done on the pod before um in honor of our boy jimmy stewart we had a discussion uh about what's in the soup of a movie back in the day it was uh it's a wonderful life and we kind of realized that oh it's a wonderful life is the soup it's the thing that you draw on to to make your movie you know what you want it to be if you're looking for you know like a wholesome type of movie so Watching this movie, I was just like I could see a lot of a lot of things pulled from other places in this movie. So I want to know what's in the stew hurt for Jimmy Stewart. What's in the <laughs> stew here? Um, were there any direct homages or blatant plagiarisms, tropes, that sort of stuff? Um, Benjamin, what did you notice here?
1: Oh, man. Um, I mean, to me, I think the thing that stuck with me the most is the. PTSD aspect of it for Joaquin's character. Mm -hmm. I think we're led to believe that he served in the military because we get like these brief flashbacks um, and some of them are very like obscure shots where we're like not supposed to know what's going on. And then we get one scene that kind of tells us what the, the inciting incident was. I think that really kind of messed him up where he like, un. I, I, he obviously didn't mean to, but he got someone killed yeah. and I think he's like dealing with that or grasping that. So that was kind of the thing that I just took out of this. Like, it's a really interesting um, thing that we, I think we're exploring more and more now. Yeah. You know, like a lot with the Vietnam movies and the PTSD, I think it just, it got ignored, you know, mental health in general for mm-hmm. a long time, which was just kind of like taboo. So I, For whatever it's worth, I enjoy seeing, um, the effect this stuff has on the people that have served in the military and how like it carries on with them. Yeah. Obviously it's like never good. So I'm not, I'm not saying like I enjoy it in that that aspect, but I just like that It's being given the attention that I think it deserves. So that, that was the thing that I kind of took away from this the most. I'm like, Oh, it's cool to show like how your previous, uh, experiences in life can still carry with you because Honestly, I think it you know, up to that very last scene in the movie at the diner when he like executes his fantasy and we don't know it for a little bit, I think it all ties to that like the the stuff he's just having to live with every day of his life is so exhausting for him, and that I think that just played out throughout the entire movie and just a a really it was handled very nicely, I think so that that's the thing I wanted to talk about,
0: yeah, totally. I mean, you're a hundred percent right, like that's certainly become maybe uh, like one of the more prevalent narratives when anything around any war violence is touched on, like, and it's a good thing. I think it's great because it's a very real thing that people struggle with. I remember uh, when jarhead came out, I remember it got a lot of or not, not a lot of hate, but I think people misunderstood it for the time because Mm. I'm not, I mean, I don't know enough, nearly enough about film history and what's been portrayed to know whether or not it was one of the first PTSD movies or something that's, more directly addressing it. I know like the, the term shell shock has been around for a long time yeah. and I know it's been talked about and discussed. I'm sure there's movies about it, but it's one of the first ones that I can remember that I felt like got misunderstood because it, it, the, the part of it was dealing with this. It, the whole movie was just dealing with the psychological aspects of this very strange war we were in and what that would do to a person. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's ever since then, I've just noticed it more and more and more. it's something that gets talked about. And I think is obviously a good thing to be talked yeah for it to be talked about, not for it to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matthew, what did you find here in the stew?
3: Oh man. Well, I think in, in celebration for Jimmy Stewart, um, paying, you know, homage to, to Mr. Stewart, I have to do our podcasts. First Hitchcock block. Fresh, okay. Which is me shouting out Alfred Hitchcock. Nice. Um because this, the, the thing Hitchcocking about this movie to me was you're you're 45 minutes into the movie and he's like completed his mission. It's like yeah. he's, mm-hmm. he's recovered the girl. And so you're left with like, okay, what's around the corner here? Yeah. Now what are we like doing? Like things yeah. things aren't as they seem. Like what's 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 the real story now? yes right a complete reset of what your expectation was for the first 45 minutes of the movie right and so i feel like that's really how i feel with, with hitchcock is you're strung along this sort of narrative and then like all of a sudden there's just a, a pivot and it's like oh great now we've got all this crap to deal with um and that's gonna be the rest of the movie and so that's kind of what came to mind um there are more obvious you know tropes um as you say uh, with any sort of like rescue movie like really there's a mold for it so like just insert mm-hmm. any one of those in there but uh, for me it was it was particularly that scene where he's actually approaching the governor's mansion i'm like the fact that we're here now was very hitchcockian yeah yeah
0: true and it was a very big impressive location like a Really, it, yeah, even just like the, the mansion looked Hitchcocky, and that's a good pull. When I saw this on the document, I thought you meant Hitch, the Will Smith movie, and I was very excited to see how that you would have been. Tied insane. This in. Fun. That's <laughs> <laughs> really good. Um, so, there's a book out there written by a screenwriter, the guy that wrote Blank Check, right? Then you're the one that gave me this book. Yep. And yeah. he wrote a book about screenwriting. Uh, So for those of you out there that aren't, uh, you know, nerds and you don't read screenwriting books, um, he introduced a principle called save the cat, or I don't know if he introduced it, but he talked about it. He named his book, Mm -hmm. save the cat. Um, And the save the cat principle is, is you show a scene with your hero, someone that's going to be hard to like (laughs) and hard to follow. And you show them doing something that you really like. For instance, you might show them saving a cat from a burning tree or something. And now you're on board. Now you like this person. And now whatever they do, mm-hmm. you're on board with. It's really clever. You see it all the time. And we see it here very, very early with Joaquin taking care of his dear old mother. And I literally out loud was like, oh, save the cat. They're doing it. <laughs> like, I, don't, nice. I think yeah. it's just anytime I see it, it just sticks out because I remember reading about it and uh, thinking like, I'm taking advice from the guy that wrote blank check. <laughs> and then I realized this guy actually sold a movie script and I will never do that in my life. So
3: I should, I should, yeah. I should For me it was the bloody blood beard. beard. <laughs> yeah. I saw the bloody beard. I was like, uh-huh. aha, yeah, I'm in Save the cat, save the guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, on board with this guy.
0: But yeah, I just was like, and it's, it, I mean, cause it totally works. I mean, Joaquin or Joe or whatever his name is. He's not an easy guy to like. I mean, you don't hate him. It's just like, there's just, He's a quiet, reserved guy that kills people, but you know, he kills for, he kills for the right reason, quote unquote. And Mm -hmm. you know, he has a heart, something we can relate to. Also, I got big shining vibes in the climax, just the slow walk down the hall, like the camera angle behind him. I I could picture Jack putting a bat on the ax on his shoulder, you know, and the hammer on the shoulder, the soundtrack, like the score in that moment specifically, Really driving the really driving the thing forward. So yeah, there was a few she other
1: walking yelling, Danny Boy <laughs> walking around.
0: There were a few
1: other things that I got really
0: shining vibes from, but those were the big ones. I can't really remember everything else. Um
1: so yeah. You saved the cat though is like really interesting because that's another note I made is like he's kind of a compassionate killer. Mm-hmm. Like he, you know, like whatever that pill was that he gave the dude that he shot, but it didn't like I'll lay down with you and like yeah when you want me to hold your hand while you're dying like he he wasn't an evil person right you know like what he was doing was like morally right you know but it involved killing people and so yeah. it was just like there's definitely a way you could like present that that isn't good but we're i don't know we see him like you said taking care of his mom and so i was like oh he's a good dude and you know he talked to that store owner or whatever like did your son see me but because he knew it was a risk for the kid not because he was worried about being seen. It was just like, I just want to protect the people around me. I don't think he cares what happens to him at all. I think we kind of see that throughout the movie that he's just like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But he does seem to have a concern for everyone else, which is cool. Yeah, totally. He's
0: saving lots of cats here. Um, So we need to go up a floor, fellas. It's time to take an elevator ride before we get started anyone want to get out and let's pretend there's someone in there with us that's never seen this movie and we have to convince them Mm. let's give them our elevator pitch by showing them one scene from the movie uh, or one moment just whatever you choose whatever you think would best sell the movie matthew
3: let's hear it so my favorite way to go about this exercise and i don't always do this uh, but it's my favorite way is what's the scene in this movie where it makes me step back and be like what I'm seeing right now is absolutely insane. I've never seen this before. Yeah. Um, like out of context, this is bonkers. Right. Mm. And so for me, and I mentioned this earlier in the episode, it's the scene and I, I'm going to do better about describing these scenes. Um, I understand that some of our listeners haven't seen the movie. And so sometimes I, I talk like we've all seen it because the three of us have, but yeah, essentially after, after Joe's mom is murdered, and he has a really sweet relationship with his mom. He still lives with his mom. He kind of has this, this sequence where it's it's playing some really soft. The only way I can describe it is like spiritual type music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh reverent, very reverent music. Yes. And he kind of he he's driving with her in the car. He's he's clearly not he's unhappy. Um and then it shows him like stacking her body that's like wrapped in a bag, like with stones. And he's like by a body of water. And then it shows him like go into the water with her and like walk all the way down. And he's he's stuffed like rocks into his suit so that he sinks as well. And he, there's a scene where he just like releases her and lets her go and she sinks. And he's like kind of just like stuck there, like slowly sinking. And with the music and everything, if you're just to watch that, like with no context, it would like it'd be like one of the more interesting scenes in the movie, in my opinion. And you're sure. Like, what am I watching? Like, what is this? And so I feel like that's what I would show well, just that'd... because I, I, I want to know what, what just happened. Right. You know, mm-hmm. when
0: well, it has arguably the best shot of the movie when he's floating there and the, the, the beam of lights coming down, cutting through the black water and just like high, illuminates him as he's just like floating there. Uh, just, you mm-hmm. know, suspended, it's a beautiful shot and i i think i think showing a scene like that what it would do for me is it would be like oh this movie has something like this in there you know what i mean Mm because you might see oh it's a revenge film like you know you're going to get the violence you know you're going to get whatever yeah and if you don't know anything about the director which i don't really it's like oh Mm -hmm. this is what they this is what they do this is what they're capable of these are the things they can compose so yeah i think that's a a great pick and like it's not even really all that spoilery because we don't know that it's his mom in the body bag. Right.
3: Right. Depending you just see the hair. Sto- you see curls, right? Yeah. Okay. You just yeah. see curls, the hair, Ooh, but like, yeah, that could good, be anybody.
0: It's actually a good misdirect. Cause you might think it's like a girl he was trying to save or something. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a good scene. I dig it. Ben, can you beat that?
1: Nope. <laughs> so move on. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, Tyler, I, I like yours. They're probably my number one. There's a couple, though, that I'm interested in, that, like how they would work, basically. One of them, you wouldn't notice in the elevator pitch, but it's like the beginning of the the climax. Like, you know, Matt said that Hitchcockian, where it's just like we see this wide shot of like the mansion. We do a couple other shots and back to the wide shot, but now Joaquin is there, mm-hmm. you know, just him walking through. I think that's one of the moments in here to Matt's point earlier about like the fast cutting where it it worked really well because it was kind of jarring. Like the, the sound was all like diegetic is how it was happening in the actual scene. So we'd be like in the girl's room and like the music's really loud, but then all of a sudden we'd cut outside by the pool and like, there's no more music. Mm -hmm. It's just walking, walking by. I liked how jarring that was. And just like kind of confusing, even as someone who's like been watching the whole movie, I'm just Mm -hmm. like, Oh man. Okay. Like I, I kind of get it, but and then there's just a scene where, you know, it's like all of a sudden this dude just has like a hole in his head and he's like on the ground and probably just up to like him going into the room. I don't know that I'd want to show like the big reveal there. But I for me, I really enjoyed that kind of like the the narrative style that um they, they put forward with this that Lynn Ramsey put forward where it's just like we almost cut to a scene Right when it's about to end, mm-hmm. you know, like he's like walking out of frame, and that's when we're gonna cut in here or whatever. It's not a lot of like establishing shots. Here he comes, you know. It's just like, all right, those last three steps he walked up, and now it's this and that. And I, I like that style. But when we do get the wide establishing shots, like you said, the shining kind of shot where he's like walking down the hallway, it just has so much more impact mm-hmm. because you know everything is done so intentionally. So my my first thought is him approaching the mansion. I think that's what I would go with. One, I'd be interested in is like how it would work. Is the scene where the, like Matt said, like we think everything's done. Like, all right, oh, right. You had the girl, you know, we're in the hotel room, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, like the person that's supposed to come get the girl we found out on the TV is dead. And it's like, oh, what's going on? Door opens mm-hmm. up and the, like, the bellboy, whatever, just gets shot in the head. It's like, holy shit, what's going on right now? <laughs> yeah, like that's a whole nother vibe to bring to it. But it's like, wait why are the cops coming into the hotel room to steal her and maybe kill him? Like how are they involved? Like all that kind of stuff. So I, I really couldn't decide between the two. They both give a very different I don't know, lead into what the movie is. And I think they're both accurate. Yeah, You know, like there is a very stoic slow side of this movie, but there is also a lot of action as well. So I don't know. I guess I'm just going to cheat and say those two just because I can't really decide between them.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're both
1: really solid picks. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not going
0: to let you take the one where they're in the hotel room because it dovetails too closely with mine. So I'm sorry.
1: Okay, perfect. <laughs> nope, that makes sense. Well, no, but in all honesty, <laughs> way, from the record. So yep, he's the host.
0: This, uh, this ties into some, you know, what Matt was talking about with like the deliberate use of the camera and the compositions that she chose. Um, because what Man. I want to choose is the scene where right before what Ben just talked about, for those that haven't seen it, uh, Joaquin is uh, he's casing an apartment. Uh, it's this really nice brownstone apartment in New York and he's doing the classic sitting in the car case in the place. I thought there was some really cool camera stuff when he was uh, adjusting his mirrors, the way that the focus pulled when the mirrors uh, change directions and, you know, we actually see the door come into frame that, you know, the door that he's watching um, and uh, someone, you know, a young guy comes out of the house that Joaquin's staking. he, Beats the guy up, puts him in the car, interrogates him, gets the info he needs to get into the apartment. And when he gets into the apartment, we see it through the surveillance cameras. So we see Mm -hmm. Joaquin stalking through level by level, floor through floor, up the stairs and through the hallways, through the point of view of the surveillance cameras. And he's got this silver ball peen hammer that he's carrying with him. And it's his weapon of choice. And we see him sort of hitting people with it, but... It's just enough off screen. Like we can see everything but the person's head, you know, like we we mm-hmm. don't actually see any of the impacts. And sometimes we only see like the hammer swing back and then swing out of view and we don't see anything at all. Mm-hmm. We hear like a body thud or whatever. So those were some of the types of things that you're talking about, Matt. It's like we know what's happening. And, and you know, I don't frankly, I don't want to see it. Uh, some people do. Some people might might want that. But. You know what what we're picturing on her head is at least as bad if not worse than what's actually going on in the room and I also think yeah. it's important to see like you know that this I just want people to be able to see this is the type of movie you're gonna get yourself into if you're gonna watch this movie it's It's going to be violent and heavy and brutal, but it's like it, it does hide enough of it to like make mm-hmm. it palatable for me for someone who doesn't mm-hmm. love there's I mean there's some definite tough gore scenes in here and we see a lot of like the gore aftermath but the actual violence is somewhat obscured and i and i certainly appreciated that so that's why i would go that one um but you know this is a movie that like there almost isn't a spoiler because you you know what's going to happen but you don't know what how it's going to happen exactly like the, the like sort of like matt you said like the MacGuffin of the the bait and switch where it goes from being a movie about revenge to a movie about or it goes from you know like it's it swips the the switches at the 45 Mm -hmm. minute mark and so there's really no way you could spoil this movie so i think all the answers are super great good job I well Well
3: i also i wanted to point out um and your, your pick was great as well part of it was the surveillance footage but a lot of these movies today, like graphic movies, if they're not showing you the violence, you're hearing like every detail of it.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um,
3: And she doesn't bother with any of that. Like you're not, you're not seeing it. And you're also not hearing any of like the gross, like crunches or squirts. Like it's like, it's very tame. It's very mild, even though you do get the sense that it's very violent. Like it it still feels violent, but it's just not, it's not going that direction. But one thing that I wanted to point out about the scene that you've picked was I loved the shot where, like you said, the the young man leaves the door and he's like watching him and it shows him open up the back door right. of his car and it shows him leave. And the camera just stays there on the back door of the right. car. Mm-hmm. And like one second later, he's throwing this guy in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was such a cool way to like communicate. Like we didn't need to see him like grab the guy, you know? Yeah. We, we yeah. already know he's capable, but we just get to see him like, accomplish his goal immediately and then throw him in the back seat. I just wanted to shout out that scene. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, totally. And it really just lets us know, like, he's done this before. Yeah. This is not his first time. He's, like, picturing his first time, he's like, oh, fuck, I gotta open the door, and I've got this guy in my hands. So, right, like, yeah. so he's like, all right, next time I know, I gotta open the back door first, then I'll go I get mean, him, you know? Now it's just like, yeah, second nature.
0: Right, yeah, either whether it's something he learned through trial and error, or if it's like, <laughs> yeah. I guess in the book, he's supposed to be like an ex-CIA like CIA operative or FBI operative or something. Oh, okay. So it's, I think maybe there is the, um, the, um, the, uh, veteran aspect, the, you know, like Mm -hmm. the, the military aspect, but I think he is, so there's like some like special forces training or something, but we see that too, when he goes to the hardware store and, you know, he gets that, you know, he just, you can tell he's done this before he knows what to get. He knows, you know, to bring candy and drinks and duct tape and what kind of hammer, you know what I mean? Like. He definitely the character choices like they, it feels lived in and very realized. And it speaks to our boy Joaquin, which makes me think, you know what that makes me think, guys? Let's hear it. I'm walking on sunshine. Oh, I'm walking on sunshine. Whoa. I'm walking on sunshine. Whoa. And don't feel good. Woo
1: it does feel good it feels
3: amazing i feel great wow
0: <laughs> for those that couldn't tell i'm that joaquin on sunshine uh because <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to shout out our boy joaquin phoenix we've been talking about him this whole episode um and i mean he is the movie there is other stuff going on here but we basically watched joaquin uh have a mental breakdown and kill some people for an hour and a half and you know he he really he really, uh, that beard's doing a lot of weight, but doing a lot of work there. It really is. Um, <laughs> and you know, th- uh, like we were talking about this before we started recording, but he's getting to the point where it's like, if he's in it, I'm going to see it. Or at least I feel comfortable seeing it, knowing it's going to be good.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to talk about this much more in a later episode, but like even in Joker, which I personally didn't love, I don't think the three of us as a whole loved it very that loved it that much. Mm-mm. But even still, it's like he's phenomenal in it. And, you know, you want to see it because he's in it and, you know, he's going to put put together a performance that's worth watching and sticks with you for a while. So I don't know. I just wanted to talk about him a little bit more. Like, what do you guys think about his performance in this movie? If we haven't touched on everything you wanted to touch on um, his an actor overall, him as an actor overall, and like what kind of box office pull does he have for you guys?
1: Speaking specifically, like you said, to Joker, like that one really, really tore me up when I, when it was announced, cause I was like, wait, like the hangover dude is doing this, but Joaquin signed on. Like, I was like, Oh, like I couldn't, Mm -hmm. it was like the Eric Wareheim, like my brain's exploding. I was like, I can't put these two together. (laughs) Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't get why this is happening. So I don't know. Yeah. We're going to, we're, we're going to watch it again. We're giving it another chance. Uh, I'm curious to see how it goes this time, but you can't deny his performance is really good in that movie. Um, I'm a a big fan of Joaquin. Um, he's done a lot of great stuff. Some, you know, we'll talk about, we got some shout outs from the movie club that we want to include in here, but yeah, for me, he's definitely a, a must see, it's funny because I was talking about this with you guys like off before we started recording. And my other version of this, my other actor for this is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't really care what the movie is, if he is in it, I'm I'm sure I'm gonna at the very least enjoy him. Um, so speaking to that, if you haven't seen The Master with both Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix, it is just like it's I mean, pardon the pun, but it's a masterclass in acting. Like it is I was hoping you would it do that. Is so good. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, it's so well done. It's Paul Thomas Anderson. We get Amy Adams in there as well. Mm, like it is, yeah. it's such, it's such a great movie. And just having the two of them basically go toe to toe for two hours. And boy, do like, they! It's like, yeah, it's like it was made for me. I just like I just want to watch these guys just go at it. So yeah, I, I'm all here for Joaquin. um Even from his early days as uh, Leaf Phoenix when he was in that Parenthood movie, <laughs> the, uh, the first Parenthood. So uh yeah i'm i'm here for him i think joker is evidence enough that like i'll go see it if he's in it you know like uh and I don't know, i'll watch it three times good.
0: if he's in it even if i hate the movie <laughs> only
3: three though that's that's all <laughs> i so i i really like walking phoenix i think we're all you know we're all phoenix fans p-h-a-n-s mm-hmm. um <laughs> but uh I, I don't know if he has the 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 it draw for me. I, I I don't really have a ton of actors that do. So it's not a shade, it's not anything against Walking Phoenix. I'm more Who's of a director. Like subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please like and subscribe, Walking Phoenix. Um <laughs> But uh I will say that like anytime he's in a movie, it automatically uh, I I don't know, it, it immediately makes me okay slash excited to watch it. So for example, we watch a lot of movies that we have maybe haven't even heard of uh, before mm-hmm. being nominated, or we've heard about but have not really an interest in seeing. this This one came onto my this one came across my desk, and I saw it. And I, <laughs> the interns, I saw, saw he was in desk. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I was like, what nominations did Tyler have this morning? <laughs> Bring me the nominations. <laughs> Where are the nominations? Yeah. <laughs> No, it's, I, I saw he was in this and like I was immediately in. And so he does have that for me. Um, I feel like as far as like actors go, Adam Driver might be the what, the main person that is kind of like the OK, I'm, I'm going to see every movie that he's in. It's very um, surprising to hear from you. Yeah, Wouldn't I mean, expected that. I'd, yeah, this, <laughs> we're full surprises here. The patron no, but, saint of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> but then brought up, you know, a couple of great actors, and I feel like there's a lot. I have a, a pretty long list of like the Philip Seymour Hoffmans, the Walking Phoenixes, where like there's immediate credibility to that project just yeah. because they're in it.
0: I agree with all of that. I, uh, for me, Joaquin is definitely like a. I think maybe I actually am more like you, Matt. Where it's not like, oh, he's in it. I'm for sure going to go see it. But if he is in it. I'm just like, okay, I can trust this. You know what I mean? I, I can trust that at the very mm-hmm. least he's going to be good. But I do think, I mean, I think I've seen all of his movies. I haven't been through his IMDb in a while, but I don't know. I've signs. seen signs. Um, so, but I think my favorite, <laughs> I, think my favorite I think my favorite, I've only seen signs. Is he in signs?
1: <laughs> Did oh, you yeah. guys just trick me? Is that your glass of water is a tribute to signs? Is that why you have that, Matt?
0: swing billy swing away billy <laughs> it's so funny because i actually don't remember signs that well but i have seen it uh so yeah nice. i've seen joaquin and signs um i think my favorite of his is either his pretend rapper performance art stunt and when he went on letterman i know it's not a movie but oh that's like God. just the greatest joaquin the i'm moment. still here yeah, yeah. The i'm still here thing but it, 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 in all reality i think i'd pick her. Um, I don't know. I just love that movie. I haven't seen it other than the time it came out. Um, the, I don't know. Spike Jones is just, he's Spike Jones is a director. Like if he directs something, I'm going to see it. And yeah, it's got Joaquin in it even better. Win-win. Um, and you know who agrees with me is, uh, the green shirt podcast. They sent it on Twitter. Uh, we asked, you know what, we put it on Twitter and Instagram. What are your favorite, uh, Joaquin roles? And, uh, green shirt podcast says they've got to go with her Uh, friend of the pod ethan simi also her is the all-time favorite uh he's also a big fan of joker so we've got another thing we can argue with ian about
1: um (laughs) there's lots of i do also want to mention his other one though uh come on come on right 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 ethan and i have another power cover a24 movies and we watched that one and it's just one of his best performances like if we were doing a walking rush more, I think that would make it on there and it just nice. came out last year, but like, it is such a great performance from him. So we found nice. one. I, I haven't sure seen shouted out. Come on. Come on. Haven't seen that. That's yet. the one.
0: Yeah. Um, there's a lot of walk the lines in here. Our friends at the recast yeah. podcast shouted out, walk the line. Um, who else? Um, Jessica, uh, Nerates?
1: narrates, narrates,
0: Jessica. Is that what it is? That word?
1: I think I thought so. Narrates only had yeah. one
0: R. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Thanks, Jessica. You like walk the line. I like walk the line. Um, I remember when that came out, everyone was so upset because well, not everyone. It's a complaint I heard from people that Joaquin had the wrong facial deformity. Just like who gives a shit. What are you talking about? I don't know. I thought that was (laughs) uh, bananas. Um, lots of gladiator shout outs on here. Uh, Steve Doyle for, uh, from the, for me three, these films are the juice. For me, these films are the juice. Steve Doyle. I agree. Um, He likes the Gladiator. Uh, The Silver Screen Savers podcast likes Gladiator. But there's definitely there's definitely a lot of variety. I was I'm actually like it actually doesn't really surprise me because he's got so many different types of roles and so many good things that it's it's pretty easy to not have just a one. No one had
3: signs on there. No one had signs. Surprisingly,
1: everyone
0: else also forgot that he was in signs.
1: I do wanna shout out though, Steve, for for me the this these films are the juice. Like that's a great heat reference in there. I if there's a day that we can rewatch heat on this pod I would love that because that is such a great movie. (laughs) Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Uh but yeah, I mean Chris from Real Ramblin, who's been on, he came on actually for that. It's a wonderful life episode. Um, and Justin Wong like longtime fan of oh, yeah. or friend of the pod hopefully a fan too but friend of the pod <laughs> uh he came on for the shining which we were right. talking about but yeah they both were with gladiator uh and then yeah rose from the not so shabby shop was also with ethan on joker so thank you rose I'm anxious to hear her thoughts on our our joker episode Ooh,
2: i
0: forgot drops. i forgot to shout out a couple more people uh the cherry bombs podcast sent in space camp still build as leaf Nice tie-in mm-hmm. to there, what you were talking about, Benjamin, and the uh, Black Irish pod. They like Ladder 49. Low-key fantastic, says they.
1: So, yeah, that's one that I like. I think that's the first one where I realized who he was, or I remembered him, mm. you know, as an actor. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's that dude. And then, like, the next year, Walk the Line came out. That's kind of it. Like, I saw the village, I didn't see signs when it came out. I didn't see Gladiator because you know, fuck Russell Crowe. Um,
0: you still haven't seen it, have you?
1: No. no oh, that's, <laughs> it's gonna work its way on the podcast. We'll see. In fact, that should be your <laughs> that
0: should be our second chance.
1: But but I can't give it a second that's chance because I haven't given it a first chance. Well First Chance cinema. You're- First chance to let people vote on what movie I movie, don't want to, to watch. Movies we've refused to watch. Just of principle. Exactly.
0: The episode will just be us uh, talking yeah. about how we didn't really watch it. Um so <laughs> what I like about what we just did is it instantly proved me wrong that I haven't seen every Joaquin Phoenix movie. I've seen most of them. I've seen <laughs> yeah. almost all the ones that were mentioned except for the last couple. Um so that's yeah, all I did not even fun. heard of
1: space camp. I had to look it up 1986.
0: All right. Did you guys find any cool trivia about this movie? I know you we talked about um Johnny Greenwood having been scored. I know you wanted to talk about that then. Was was there anything else you wanted to to mention
1: there no it's funny because like i i've been trying to be better about like the trivia of not reading what you guys put. oh yeah so i want to be surprised by it so i'm like oh tyler's got a nice like long one in there i can't wait to hear what he's gonna talk about and then i read it's like oh it's exactly what i put johnny greenwood <laughs> like okay <laughs> like i just i don't know i don't have anything really else like to add to that i just like again i i think it's so cool. Now that a lot of these rock musicians and stuff are being given the opportunity to like do these scores and not just like add a song to the soundtrack. It's like cool score, the whole movie. So that was it. I just think it's super cool. Yeah,
0: I agree. Matt, did you have any trivia that you pulled?
1: Uh,
3: Not that, not that I came up with. I'd be, uh, I'd be out on trivia night. That's all right. That's all right.
0: Well, I do have a piece of trivia, but I'm going to save it until after we visit our friend, Adam driver because it ties in so nicely to our Rushmore that I think we mm. should, we should wait. So, um, but Adam driver has a hard out of uh, 10 o'clock tonight. So we've got to visit his drive yeah. in before he's taken off. You know, he's a busy man and we can't get bumped by Hollywood twice tonight. So can't let's head to the double feature and pick the movies that would pair up with this, uh, this movie in our dream double feature scenario. I just had sex. I'm about to eat
2: nachos. It's
3: the greatest moment of my life. Matthew, the floor is yours. Well, the pressure's on yes. here. I've got to sell seats. Indeed. You know, I've got I've yeah. to sell, not seats, I've got to sell slots. The spots. Yeah. Whole parking spots.
0: Popcorn, all, the, whole, um, the whole deal.
3: Okay, well, if I'm trying to pull people in here and uh, they don't, they're not familiar with this movie, I need a little bit more star power. A little bit. Um, I might need to you know, tap on something a little more mainstream. So what I'm mm-hmm. doing is I'm going to start off with the movie Logan. Okay. Starring mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman depicting the end of Wolverine. We'll see. Question mark. We'll see. You know? Yeah. That, that, for another time. No another time. There's no way
0: it's the end. It's too much money. There's A, no another way. Another time.
3: We'll cover this another <laughs>
0: time. <laughs> Sorry, different podcast. Different podcast.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we'll follow that up with uh, uh, with this one. I dig
0: it. I might watch Logan tonight. I still haven't seen it. Is it like three do hours, it, though?
1: Do it. I don't think so. It's worth it, though. Well, we'll see what three happens. three
3: hours feels like one
1: hour It's kind of like the Deal. weather, you know, it feels like 30 <laughs> I'll, degrees. I'll door dash you a big old Red Bull. Please don't. I want you to watch Please it. Don't <laughs> it. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, I mean, I also want the star power. Uh, you know, I'm not saying Hugh Jackman won't bring it, but he's no Mickey Rourke. I'll tell it's you true. that. So not uh, many people are. Yeah. And when you can get Mickey Rourke and Mark Anthony in the same movie, <laughs> you're just going to sell seats. You know, people are going to be sneaking in the back and of people's trucks. Just Fanning. like, let me in here. Yeah, exactly. Dakota Fanning, Christopher Walken. I mean, the list goes on, Spike and Jones, and on He's in some of the best music videos ever. Indeed. So, yeah. And then uh, I think uh, up and comer Denzel, he's in it. Denzel Washington. I think I'm saying that right. Mm. But uh, I didn't know Denzel guy, was, was in a Mark Anthony movies. movie. Yeah, yeah, Ted in this Mark <laughs> Anthony movie. <Exactly. laughs> Wait,
0: is he the guy um, related to the dude from Tenet?
1: Yeah, I think it's like a nepotism thing. Mm. Like, I think his son got in movies, so he's mm. like, oh, well, I'll give it a shot, too. I so, thought he was just well, friends with Robert Pattinson. I didn't think he was his dad. <laughs> oh, I don't. yeah, I don't know. It's already, hard. Hard. all the lines are getting crossed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Man on Fire is what I'm going with. Uh, we watched this for the pod, right? Well, not the pod, but for just the like club, for, the, for
0: our little... For us, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. Pre-pod man i i i love this movie um i I think i loved it a lot more before the rewatch because every time i was like oh all right i don't really remember this like some of this is kind of weird but i do love this movie tony scott just like letting it all hang out there super weird like transitions and editing and just like crazy stuff but some of the scenes that'll stick with me forever like chopping off a guy's finger as, as they're like taped to the steering mm-hmm. wheel and then like cauterizing it with the cigarette lighter. Like that's, that's right up there with <laughs> sit next to my aunt while, while I watch seven people <laughs> orgasm. It's just like they're neck and neck of things that I'm, I'm never going to forget about. But uh yeah, you know, I think we're all kind of going with the dude saves girl thing here. And yeah. man on fire is just kind of like one of my favorite versions of that. Mm-hmm. So um I probably start out with this one uh, with you you were never really here because I feel like man on fire is maybe like a little lighter. There's there's some more action going on, I think, to keep people's attention. So I want to play that one second. Um, But yeah, that's what I'm going to go with.
0: You dig it. A hundred percent. We did. We actually did a little pod on man on fire in a round recap episode. Oh, yeah. So we man on fire is in our canon. Look it up. You can go back and find us on YouTube, Spotify, good Mm -hmm. pods. Apple podcasts, wherever you find good media, you can find like our subscribe. episode where we mm-hmm. talk about man on fire, uh, a movie we haven't talked about though, is going to be my pairing. And it is indeed a man saves girl. Uh, movie it was the first thing I thought of. I was like, Oh, okay. Taken. Yeah. We're just going to watch taken. We're going to watch, yeah. we're going to watch you were never really here first. And then we're going to watch taken. Cause we need, we like to try and lighten the mood I've noticed. And this is a heavy night of of movie
2: <laughs> to go through mm-hmm.
0: any of our pairings is like it's a it's a heavy it's a heavy night. But mm-hmm. at least taken you can laugh fun with, you know, it's like you can kind of laugh at it. and It's less it's just less uh, mentally exhausting, you know? Yeah. So we'll do uh, you were never really here is straight into taken. I think they're similar characters, but in Like. way different way you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. they obviously both have a skill set and you obviously they're going to they are going to catch you and they are going to kill you uh just one of them talks more about it than the other
1: (laughs) there's one thing i want to mention too with matt talking earlier about all the fast editing i think it's in taken Two, but like liam neeson became like an action star much later in his life but there's a scene i believe in taken Two where there are 13 cuts in the scene as he jumps over a fence (laughs) it's like it's insane i'm like yeah i mean i don't know the dude's like pushing 60 (laughs) like he probably just can't hop over it but it's the you know they bring in the born identity like boom 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 boom. like all these different cuts it's like 13 different clips for him to jump over a fence like that's it's hilarious it's really funny unbelievable cinema yeah this is a cinema (laughs) (laughs)
0: unbelievable OK, well, Adam can now leave. We've, we've taken care of his drive-in. Uh, thank you to our patron saint of the podcast, Adam Driver. Um, but I mentioned, we talked about trivia a little bit earlier, and I mentioned I had one more piece of trivia, and apparently
2: apparently every time apparently Grandpa just gives me a out after we watch the Powerball.:
0: So if you haven't seen the movie, there's a scene where uh, Joaquin kills an intruder. Uh, someone's intruding into his house. He kills them and, uh, well, he kills one of them and he seriously wounds the second. And so, as mm. as this, uh, the second person is dying, Ben, you mentioned he gives him a pill to help ease the pain and help him pass away a little more peacefully. And Joaquin lays down next to the guy and they hold hands and they start singing a duet together, kind of like under their breath, just sort of like along with the record that's playing, uh, in the background. Yeah. And, I couldn't have been more surprised or taken back by when they started to sing. I didn't laugh at it. I was just like, holy shit, I did not expect this. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, yeah. the handhold, the, the, the duet. So I wanted to talk about movies with unexpected musical moments. I think it's a perfect Rushmore category. So time to pack the bags and head on over to our Rushmore Mountain.
2: These are OR scrubs.
1: Oh, are they? You know what you have, Tyler? You have a particular set of skills, and that's transitioning mm, in between segments. I, d- I appreciate that. I
0: am going... I, I am going to pat myself on the back a little bit. I feel like I am doing really good on the segues tonight.
1: You're doing it. You're killing yeah. it.
0: I feel great about it. Um, so, yeah, we are going to do unexpected musical moments. And if I'm being perfectly honest, there's a specific moment that I just wanted to talk about. And also... It was more fun than the other one I was going to try and do. So <laughs> um, Matt, let's start us off. Unexpected musical moments in movies. Hit me.
3: Okay. Well, anyone who's spent any time in this pod, we, we probably don't go. We don't, we really don't go 30 minutes on this pod without mentioning the scene from marriage story. True. <laughs> yeah. Where, uh, <clears throat> Adam driver sings, uh, being alive, uh, by Steven Sondheim. And that, that scene is like one of my favorite scenes of all time um but just even in the context of the movies just a really amazing scene someone to need you too much someone to know you too well someone
0: to pull you up short to put you through hell you see what you look for
1: you know you're not a kid anymore robbie i don't think i'll ever be a kid again kiddo
3: um, another one I like is Last Black Man in San Francisco has a homeless man singing his mm-hmm. version of "Are That's You Going so to San good. Francisco?" which yeah. is just so good. super awesome.
0: If you come to San
2: Francisco, summertime will be a love in there. That was good.
3: Great movie as well. Uh one of my favorites uh growing up was the scene where they saying uh say a little prayer in yes. my best friend's wedding. Yeah. Sort of that impromptu thing at the uh um, certain restaurant mention on mine.
2: Forever the time must be to live without you we'll only be in heartbreak for me. All
3: right. <laughs> Love that scene. Yeah. And then I've gotta go r- wrap it up with Empire Records. We mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the pod. This is Renee Zellweger singing with the band on top of the, the record store. It's just super awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What? Go on, Gina. Take it back.
1: I mean, there's honestly so many in that movie, like, again, like the drums, you know, like doing the ACDC. I, I mean, that movie is just so yeah, it's fun, true. like letting them select the song to like open up the store. And I still just, you know, while well, Mark's like, oh, has that. we He's like, Mark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. I love that. Um, yeah. I'm also going to echo Adam Driver, Marriage Story. If they're in the future, if there's a way to like tattoo a scene of a movie onto your body, like this is what I want to put on there, like just an actual like the actual scene because it is it is so good, it was so powerful. I, I was just like I was floored multiple times in that movie, but that one really just like ended me. That yeah. was, I mean that was it. Um, the first thing I thought of when you brought up this Rushmore is, uh, "You make my dreams come true in 500 Days of Summer." Yeah. Yeah. is just like I don't know it's just one of those knee jerk like well this is the first thing I thought of so I've got to put it on here and I am an unapologetic fan of Holland Oates Uh, shout out Chris Salisbury so yeah I'm going to go with that one Um, I think one of the more iconic classic ones is Deo the Mm. banana song and Beetlejuice around the dining room table
2: come Mr. Tallyman Tally me banana Six-foot, seven-foot, eight-foot punch Daylight come and be one four,
1: four. That one's really good. Um, and then as much as we can't help but talk about Adam Driver, you know I'm going to bring up Ferris Bueller any chance I get. That whole parade scene, you know, Twist and Shout mm-hmm. and Don Cashane, mm-hmm. like I, I love that. That's just one of my, my favorite scenes of all time, so I, I'm going to throw that out there as well.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, you're such a wonderful crowd. We'd like to play a little tune for you. It's one of my personal favorites. And I'd like to dedicate it to a young man who doesn't
2: think he's seen anything good today. Cameron Fry, this one's for you.
1: A quick honorable mention for my dad, Young Frankenstein, putting on the Ritz. That is a a wonderful scene, uh, and I just wanted to make sure I I shouted that out.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. Uh, we're going to talk about Young Frankenstein with good Leo LaHorn sometime in the future, right?
1: We are indeed. Leo. We are indeed.
0: So, man, your guys' lists are great. I, I've like, I had four come to mind immediately. Uh, I'm going to stick to them. But uh, I think Beetlejuice is such a good pull and uh, My Best Friend's Wedding. Because that too, I remember watching that. I don't even remember when. And that scene was just so fun. and. Like mm-hmm. that song, I knew every word of that song. That's the first time I'd ever heard it. And I knew it instantly because it just stuck with me mm. so hard. So, yeah, mm-hmm. those are both uh, really great polls. I'm also going to echo Marriage Story. I think we've talked about that so many times on this podcast, but I, I just can't help it. It's just so good. Yeah, it just that movie, like you said, Ben, I just felt like we kept getting to a point like, oh, this is going to be my favorite part of this movie. Uh, like <laughs> like uh, Laura Dern's patriarchy speech. I was like, I was like, there's the, what could possibly, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And then here comes (laughs) Adam driver singing show tunes in a bar, Mm. um, not show tunes, but you know, like a musical, like I just, there's no way to describe it where it doesn't sound ridiculous, but it's just, I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's phenomenal. Step brothers gets on my list here. The boats and hoes sequence.
1: it's sangria nachos lemon heads my dad's boat you won't go down because my dick can float um
0: yeah. that's pretty unexpected to me um top gun the uh you've lost that love and feeling scene in the bar mm-hmm
3: you're trying hard not to show it hey <laughs>
0: And then Wayne's world, that's a classic, the Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm -hmm. You could argue that these guys are like the whole movies kind of about music and they're musicians. So it's it's not totally unexpected, but it's, it's a musical moment that you wouldn't necessarily expect in a music, Mm -hmm. in a music related movie. You know what I mean? And
1: I'd make the argument that out of all of our lists, that is the most iconic and possibly ever. Yeah. Iconic musical scenes in a movie. Yeah. Like agreed. I feel like it kind of brought Queen back into the fold. Oh, they you for know, sure did. Like I read the something 90s, they you know.
0: they topped the charts for the first time in a long time because of that
1: scene.
3: That that exactly. song does not come on in a car where people aren't trying to do that.
1: For sure, you know. I mean, like, I was just going to say, like Tyler, we did that in the car <laughs> oh, yeah. after like a work Christmas party, I know. <laughs> and we didn't go to the next place until the song was over because all four of us were in there just doing this. But you have to, right? That's mm-hmm. what this, yeah. So, it's so good. it
0: was propelled back to the top of the charts after 17 years because of that movie, Crazy. because of that scene. And yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone knows at the very least the beginning of Bohemian Rhapsody because of this, mm-hmm. because of this movie. And it is—it's totally iconic. Everyone headbangs everyone gets stoked when it's leading up to the headbanging part. And you just mm-hmm. I don't know, it's it's just it's iconic, it's ubiquitous. And it's like it's the moment and it just comes out of nowhere, even though it's a silly movie yep. about dudes that love music.
1: I see a little silhouette of a man it's got a moose,
2: got a moose.
0: So was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? I felt like there was one more thing I wanted to get to, but I can't remember. And
3: we've gone a I little. I just forgot more to give my honorable. my honorable mention for the music moments. Oh, right, I right, got right, a, right, Got a shout out the Vanilla Ice cameo. Oh, that's Ju- so good. Ninja Turtles 2.
1: Yeah. Ninja Rap. Go Ninja, <laughs> yes. go Ninja. Go. Yeah, the Ninja, ninja so
0: Rap. Good. Ninja, Ninja.
1: <laughs> that's i think phenomenal. that's so good when, when i saw this what the topic was my other like joke answer was just going to be the movie blues brothers because i like for some reason didn't dawn on me that was a musical oh, until, yeah like halfway <laughs> yeah. through i was like man there's a lot of musical like singing in here it's like oh yeah this is a musical I was like wow well, oh, was i unexpected. Right. i did not yeah. realize this was a musical this is, pretty, <laughs> so, this is a pretty musical movie for not yeah, <laughs> oh, being like, a lot of singing going blues on Blues brothers
0: has to have been done on stage right that would be a fun one on stage.
1: I would think so. Yeah. I mean, I know they went on like tour and stuff like that. Right. The blues brothers. But I just wondered, so, did yeah. they do
0: the movie or did they just sing the songs for the movie? I don't know. I think it's performance. There's gotta be, yeah. there's gotta be someone out there in movie club that can set us straight. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, maybe the 80s Let's podcast
1: the can Dan Aykroyd, like, and
0: subscribe. Yes. Yeah. Give me some vodka. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's going to do it. I think that's all. Uh, I think we've squeezed enough out of this as we can. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's always a blast gentlemen. I'm sorry that Patrick couldn't make it, but, um, if you're here listening, if you're watching on YouTube or on Spotify, you can do that now. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. Uh, make sure you tell your friends and family about us. If you haven't done so already, give us, uh, ratings and comments and likes and all that stuff on all the socials, all the streaming platforms all that good stuff mm-hmm. we really love the movie club we appreciate you guys and we will see you next time
3: see ya See ya.
1: if you're blue and you don't know where to go to why don't you go where fashion sits Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes, or cut a coat, perfect fits.